the Wrong Side of the Red Line Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm enjoying a slower day. I actually wasn't that slow. No, I I had to go to the rink this morning unplanned because the Stars plane decided to uh, technical difficulties with the Stars plane getting to Arizona this morning. So it was uh, it was a busier morning than planned. I was planning on just sitting and watching the uh, Switzerland Czech game, and then uh, all of a sudden I got an email that the uh, Stars morning skate had been moved conveniently from Glendale, Arizona to Frisco, Texas which is uh, obviously nowhere near each other. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. Yep, Stars uh, had uh, had their had plane complications. Their flight was supposed to leave at, uh, supposed to leave Dallas around 7, get to Arizona for a morning skate, and then they were supposed to have a normal day and a normal game, and they were supposed to stay in Arizona tonight. However, that plane never took off. They spent about two or three hours, roughly three hours at the airport. And then they had to, then they bust back to Frisco for a morning skate here. And that's, we're recording this around one o'clock on Tuesday. And they've got a flight, another flight charter for around two o'clock in Arizona, um, where they will arrive at the, they'll probably get to uh, Gila River Arena close to 5.30-ish. I would assume, um, if I'm doing my math correct. Everyone except Tyler Sagan, of course, who's already in Arizona and took the option to uh, arrive in Arizona yesterday. Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew. Maybe he, maybe, maybe he messed. Maybe Tyler Sagan had a premonition about the plane not working or not taking off. I don't know. What if this is some big practical joke that he got to Arizona early and he sabotaged the plane? Like, haha, you guys are late. <laughs> or maybe he knew Lindy was going to put him through a tough morning skate like he did this morning. <laughs> I mean, they, they, yeah, possible. I mean, they had a, they had a more difficult morning skate than typical this morning. Cause it was the first time they've skated since that Kings, uh, the overtime win against the Kings cause they had mandatory three days off for Christmas. And, uh, so maybe he knew something about the, uh, about what the skate would be today. Lindy did say Tyler Sagan was practicing by himself this morning in Arizona. So, who knows? But I, gu- I guarantee you he wasn't bag skating himself as hard as the team was. <laughs> and the team wasn't bag skating, but it was a long morning skate typically is 15 to 20 minutes. This one was about 45 minutes or so today. And it, that's a pretty lengthy skate. But it's the first time they skated in three days, so you got to get the legs going. Yeah, well, you know, you got nothing better to do. You got a couple hours till so your plane takes off. Yeah. And they, uh, it's an interesting, uh, I was thinking about this and someone posed this question and I got to give them credit for it. Make sure I got their name right here. Um, so, uh, Andrew LA is his name and his Twitter handle is a bunch of name numbers and letters, uh, asked me if the stars could sign 20 PTOs if there's more flight issues. When they wouldn't need to sign 20, they just need to sign 19 because Sagan's already there. But, <laughs> but how about that? Just think about that. Just all, and, Jim, and Jim Nill is still in Texas. Jim Nill's not in Arizona, so it's not like he'd be able to uh, be in Arizona to track these people down. So Jim Nill playing fo- – imagine this. Jim Nill playing phone tag to track down 19 healthy bodies – to play an NHL game alongside Tyler Sagan against the Arizona Coyotes. Just get a throw Arizona State's D1 team out there. Sign a bunch of, actually, make it 19 ATOs. Yeah, there you go. This is like the plot. There'd be other complications with that, but first and foremost, the fact that Arizona State seems not very good, but. I don't think it really matters. You could throw any college team out there, and they'd probably get the floor wiped. But anyway, continue. But they, but they, but it's they are playing the Coyotes. That's yeah, that's true. They're playing a team who is uh, was not very good right now, and now they just lost. Uh, didn't Max Domi just get hurt? Yeah, he broke his hand fighting. I think. Yeah. Ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Very much so. Well, I guess it wouldn't be the. Uh, 
I will point out this. This is, you can never plan, joking aside, you can't plan for the plane to not want to take off. And you, you can't plan for that. But this is the, uh, in a typical setup, in a typical day, they wouldn't have been flying into Arizona this morning. They would have been, uh, they would have been, uh, they would have flown into Arizona last night and they would have been there already. And so if there's any complications, it would have happened yesterday and there wouldn't have been things along the lines like this where all of a sudden they're, uh, they're having to scramble. But this is one of the problems with, and I have a problem with the schedule and, uh, I don't have a problem with the NHL CBA. I understand giving players three days off and and and, and saying no, no team activities for uh, seventy two straight hours. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with the NHL scheduling games, scheduling the games with where a team has to fly like this on the day of a game. Um, if you're going to have games on the first day back, and I understand you have to because of the com- because of the contracted schedule, have it have the Rangers and the Devils play. Have the Flyers play the Penguins. Have the where Red Wings play the Blue Jackets. Have California teams play each other. Something where the uh, some setup where there's not uh, there's there's not a team traveling like this, and you run into a situation like this. Well, my buddy brought this up yesterday, and it's kind of along the same lines as this. I get, like I said, I get why they do the 72-hour holiday break thing, but um, wouldn't it be a pretty good marketing opportunity for the NBA, for the NBA, the NHL, to commandeer Boxing Day like the NBA has Christmas Day? Nothing too extravagant or anything like that, but just stuff like that where you have, you know, the Kings play the Ducks, or the Devils play the Rangers, or the Islanders, or something like that. You know, the Red Wings play the Blue Jackets. Just teams that are within you know, a half hour, 45 minute flight of each other. Wouldn't that, I mean, what else do you have going on yesterday? Shitty bowl games that no one cares about in world juniors. That's literally it. Well, I, I, what I would do is I, you go through and you make it like a, uh, I like that idea. I think the way you do it is you make it work well with world junior. Cause I, I think you don't have the Canadian teams play. I think you have the, cause, yeah. cause all of Canada is already watching the world juniors. So you don't need to, that's already, that's already a, quadruple header that's being watched but i think you go and i know they already have hockey day in america or whatever but you could go and you could try and claim that day as hockey day in america and just have a bunch of regional rivals play each other and just have all american teams play because the canadian teams don't need to play that day because there's already hockey being watched and tsn is already being i mean i'm watching i have the switzerland check game on right now and tsn and i'm watching technically it's NHL Network is using the feed of TSN four, <laughs> so. Well, but I mean that's even something. I mean, World Juniors is almost immaterial to this because I mean, like I mean, last night it wouldn't have been because you have Canada Russia playing in prime time. Yeah. But other than that, all the games are during the day. You're yeah. Not gonna have. Oh no, I agree. I play at ten o'clock. Like I'm. It's what time I, is it? It's eleven o'clock in the morning out here in California, and all these games are going to be over by three o'clock my time, except for the night game. Oh, I agree. It's no, that would be. Uh, if you could set it up and make sure the schedule was done correctly and keep it regionally and make it the short trips, the, as we said, the Devils Rangers, Rangers Islanders, things like that, I think it would work well. I mean, it's, I, I, I like that they don't play on Christmas. I, I think that's, I like something about that. Um, but uh, if you could go and, I mean, it's uh, English Premier League does it in uh, soccer. I know there's a ton of, uh, you look at the, there was there like eight or nine English Premier League games yesterday. They always do a big uh, do do that up big on Boxing Day. Well, and then that doesn't even account for every third or fourth year or whatever it is when they play over in Slovakia or Sweden or Finland or whatever, and all the games are at the ass crack of dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, something like that would work. But I think it, it was just interesting that he brought it up. It makes sense. I mean, it's. <sighs> Either way, I think the schedule doesn't. I I don't like how the schedule is set up where you have a team having to travel and fly right. on the day of the game today. When in a, in a typical schedule, they would have been able to. Uh, they would have flown last night to Arizona, and then even if this complication happened last night, you could have got it worked out last night. And then even if you so so what if you get there late tomorrow? Right. I mean, late yesterday. I mean, it's. Uh, So what's uh while we're on the travel subject and holiday travel, what's been uh, your worst uh, 
Travel complication, Ryan. Anytime I've ever flown Allegiant. Allegiant? Yes. I flew an Allegiant once to... If you can help it, which I understand that they're cheap as hell. And sometimes it's the best way to get to a destination such as Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. But if you can ever help it, do not fly Allegiant. I have flown Allegiant once and I flew it to Las Vegas. And uh, the flight there was okay. The flight back, we actually had to uh, switch planes. And so yes. I... Um, but that's not my worst travel complication. That's happened to me twice with Allegiant. Once we, once actually, uh, Christmas Day, two days ago, we were flying out of Vegas and we start backing out of the gate and the engines flutter and you were sitting in the front row so you could hear from a cockpit, autopilot, autopilot, autopilot. I'm sitting there like, what the hell is going on right now? They pull us back to the gate and the guy, the captain's like, yeah, our uh, secondary generator faltered. And if we were in the air, it would have been no problem. And I'm sitting there like, that didn't really sound like no problem. But then he's like, eh, but since we're on the ground safety first, we go back to the gate. So we had to change planes yesterday. And fortunately, they only had like five flights yesterday since it was, or yesterday, two days ago since it was Christmas Day. So we just switched over to another gate and got another plane and took off. But the first time that happened was when I went to Vegas for my 21st birthday many eons ago. My um my buddies were staying an extra day, but I had to go back early because I had to work on that Monday. And I got to the airport like an hour before my flight was supposed to leave at 3.30, and there was no plane. It broke and stopped in California. So they had to find <laughs> another airplane, and I was sitting at the gate for seven and a half hours waiting for this fucking plane to take off. <laughs> that's that's pretty fun. Oh, Switzerland, Switzerland just took a 2 nothing lead. Switzerland just took a 2 nothing lead. What is, is that, does that say anything about Finland losing to the Czechs yesterday? I think it probably does because the Czechs looked really good in that game. That was the only game I watched, I think, in full yesterday. And the Czechs looked really good yesterday. They did. But, I mean, you got to think Finland lost its entire top line. That's true. From last year. So it's not – I mean, you could say, you know, they're favorites because they won last year, blah, blah, blah. But they won last year because of the Pugliarvi line A yeah, a Sebastian Ajo line, mm-hmm. which combined for, God, what did that line? That line combined for like fifty points or something absolutely ridiculous. And that was and that was a, that was a team that had uh, Miko Rantanen, who was the best yes, rookie, best re- rookie in the AHL as a second liner last year. That was such a yes. good, that was such a good finish team. Anywho, back to the uh, the travel complications. The uh, I, have, I have two good travel stories. The first one, luckily, was not the uh, I was in actually in the. Sp- I was in the LA airport at the time and uh, our flight was slightly delayed, but there's another flight. And so, you know, you're sitting at the gate and there's the next gate over. And so you're hearing, you're hearing all the announcements and they're making the announcement that uh, these people who are this, the flight that was supposed to go to Omaha of all places, they make an announcement that says, um, we are sorry. The flight is delayed. Our pilot left his passport. <laughs> Our pilot left his passport in San Francisco, so we we have to wait for the next flight. We have to wait for the next flight that's going to go to San Francisco and coming back here to pick up his passport so he can fly. Oh. So I don't know enough about aviation. Maybe I. I but this was a flight to Omaha, so I don't I don't know if a pilot has to always have his passport with him, or maybe there's a pilot's license that he that goes with it. I don't know, but that would have sucked if I uh, that that that's that that that's that's pretty bad. But the uh, my favorite travel story that I've actually been involved with, I must have been uh, seventeen or eighteen, and I was flying from uh, flying from Michigan to to New Jersey. I had recent I was flying from Michigan to New Jersey. And uh, I was by myself, and the flight we ended up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, by mistake. Not by mis- but by weather because of weather. We weren't able to. We weren't going to be able to. Uh, we weren't be able to going to make it to uh, to Newark because of the because uh, of weather. Um, not actually at the airport itself, just because if it wasn't a really big plane, it was just one of those. It was kind of one of those little planes, and they didn't want to have it go. Uh, they didn't want to take the alternate route around the weather because of how big the plane was and the fuel and such, right? So we're in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and the uh, and they say, okay, well, the next flight's not till nine p.m. the next day, oh. and 
And so, and so they offer, but then they go and they offer, they say, okay, well, we'll either comp you a rental car or a hotel room, not both. Either a rental car or a hotel room. So I'm 18, 17 at the time. I can't get a rental car. <laughs> get a hotel room. So I end up making friends with this guy who was a, uh, an American who lives in Thailand. American who lives in Thailand and is just kind of, he was trying to fly from Detroit to uh, Newark to, to catch his flight back to Thailand. This, this woman who is a professor at the University of Michigan and studies like, uh, she studied theology at the University of Michigan. And we end up deciding to all split a rental car and we drive from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to, uh, to, to Newark, New Jersey. And I'm, I'm 18, 17 or 18 at the time of this. And this is something where I've told my parents the flight has been, I've told my parents the flight's delayed and we're stuck in Harrisburg and everything like that. I did not tell them that I met, I, uh, that I took a ride with two complete random strangers (laughs) from the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania (laughs) to, uh, to Newark, New Jersey at a rental car until after I had arrived there. <laughs> so probably a good call. So that's my favorite travel story. Oh, here you go. I got one more that okay. I just remembered and it involves the Dallas airport. So there's a little bit of a tie in there okay. for you. This was, um, I don't remember if it was, it either was two winters ago or four winters ago. No, it wasn't four winters ago. It was either two winters ago or five winters ago. Cause I was going, the, the airport in Fresno is really tiny, so it only does regional flights. So you can't go Fresno to Detroit nonstop. So you'd have to go like Fresno to Vegas to Detroit or Fresno to Phoenix to Detroit, Fresno Denver to Detroit, whatever. This one was American Airlines, Fresno to Dallas to Detroit. So we're getting off, and anyone who is from a cold weather state knows that sometimes when it gets really cold overnight, or you get a snowstorm or whatever, the wings frost up. So you got to go out, take it out to the runway, and they spray it with the defrost or crap, whatever, foam, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Apparently, at the Fresno Yosemite International Airport, no one ever thought that they needed defroster equipment. (laughs) And they're trying to explain it to us on this flight. They're saying, so the wings are frosted, but this airport has no defroster gear because they said this really just never happens. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I've lived here for five years, and I could tell you that four or five times every winter, we'll get a it'll get really cold overnight. It'll get Hold really on. cold overnight, and we'll have a really bad frost. And I know this really because they just talk about it on the news because the farmers hate it because it'll ravage. I mean, not ravage crops, but it'll really screw things up. So they take us out onto the runway, and we literally sit on the runway underneath the sun, and wait for the sun to melt the ice off of our wings. And mind you, this was like a 7 a.m. flight in around this time of year. So the sun wasn't coming up until, you know, 7, 7.30. So we were we literally sit there until 9 o'clock. And all my flights that I ever take out of Fresno have a generally short layover time. So we're taking off about an hour and 45 minutes late. And I already know we get in here. I'm like, I missed my connecting flight in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So I get to Dallas and it was, I mean, it sucked because it was going to be late as hell. But it was nice because I didn't even have to worry about running to the gate and trying to get there and end up disappointed. So I walk over to the American whatever desk and say, I need a new connecting flight. They kind of got screwed over in Fresno. So she hooks me up. It's four and a half hours later. I'm like, oh, cool. So what the hell is there doing at the Dallas airport for four and a half hours? Anyway, I end up at the gate. And we're sitting there. And this flight ends up delayed as well. Not for anything that was happening to our plane, but because the pilot who was supposed to fly that plane was coming from on a separate flight from New Orleans, and their flight in New Orleans was delayed because of weather. So we had to sit there and wait for a completely unrelated plane to land so the pilot could then come over and fly our plane. And by this point, it was a long day, and I was already pissed off, and the only thing that prevented me from going postal in the Dallas airport was the fact that they upgraded me to first class on this flight. So I drank a lot of free beer on the fly back to Detroit. 
Very nice. That's uh, I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of stories like that. Not that I know off the top of my head, but I fly a lot. Just especially during college, coming back home from for summer, yeah. for Christmas, for occasionally Thanksgiving, for Easter break, spring break. I guess it was. I hate flying. That's basically the moral of my story. Can you sleep on planes? Are you one of those people? Can you sleep on a plane? Um, I used to be able to pass out for an hour, two hours at a time. Now I'll pass out for like 15, 20 minutes and my neck will hurt. So not as much now. My greatest achievement of sleeping on a plane is I slept my entire flight from, uh, from Detroit to Tokyo at one point. Wow. They woke, they, they woke you up for the food because they have to wake you up on a flight that long. They have to feed you and they have to wake you up. And so they woke me up for the food, but I ate then fell back asleep and then had, and then got my connection and slept on the connection from, uh, from Tokyo to Manila, which is in the Philippines. And I slept too much that had I slept less, I would have uh, actually like aligned my body with the time difference. Instead, I over-adjusted and just made it worse. Yikes. And so I got there and it was, I got there and I was, and for me, like the time, it wasn't, it's not like I was wide awake. It was not like I felt like I was waking up at like, midnight or anything like that for me like the time I felt I felt like I should be awake from was like 4 a.m. to like started at like 4 a.m. so it was just like <laughs> I over adjusted my sleep on a really long flight that was Yikes. uh made the flight go a lot quicker but right it was uh certainly a uh it's probably the longest I've ever slept continuously too because no one no one woke me no one woke me up it was yeah, I wonder if I could. I wonder if I could replicate that. I don't know. That's a that's that's that's, that's a summer that's a summer project. Sleep. Yeah, see, I fly out at six a.m. on Thursday, so I'm hoping that I'll be able to sleep for some of that. Yeah. Summer will be a sleep a sleep project. Will be, summer project will be sleeping, I guess. So, anywho, we've uh, take a handful of melatonin gummies. That'll help. Yeah. True. Anyway, we're back to. Uh, Thanks to the Dallas Stars plane uh, issues for bringing up this conversation. <laughs> the, uh, this is a team who, and as we said, we're recording on Tuesday morning, which I'm really happy we actually did record Tuesday because we were going to do it yesterday, but now we, we didn't have this airline gold if we had, exactly. done, it yes, if we had done it yesterday. So, uh, happy accident. Exactly. Or, we're, uh, or, we, or we planned event things perfectly like Tyler Sagan did. The, exactly. Um, Stars now are uh, playing, they play a road game tonight against Arizona, then they have back-to-back home games. They play two very bad teams. Um, Now, this is a chance tonight they have against Arizona to, there's a golden opportunity to win back-to-back games, and they've only done that once this year. And this is a time where playing a bad team, but there's some adversity. It's a moment you can build on as a team. You play another bad team. You play Colorado later in the week. You beat the You'd like to think you should beat them. All of a sudden, you're looking at an opportunity here, Ryan, right now, where with a with two wins this week, you're looking at at a stretch where the stars could could be looking like a team that is in contention. If 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 with back to back wins this week, and it's the perfect time to start it, head into the new calendar year with a little bit of momentum. They're um, not far out of the playoff race at this point. They got uh, three points behind Calgary, but have a game in hand. Uh, Three points behind L.A., but L.A. has a game in hand on them. So, I mean, they're still, I mean, all things considered, still being in the thick of this playoff race at this point is, I don't want to call it an accomplishment in its own right, but I mean, with all the belly aching that's been going on among the fan base, you would think that they were toast already. So, you get two wins right here, you're heading into next week's game against Montreal with a little bit of momentum. And and who knows from there, you got a tough stretch of games coming up after that. So would be a good idea to try to build some momentum against teams that you should beat. And the stars are obviously you're really happy. You're not in the Metro division because if, Oh yeah. Because if you were, if you had a record like they had right now and you were in that division, you'd be done already. We'd be, we'd be hell anywhere in the Eastern conference right now. They'd be three points out of last place in the East. Yeah. I mean, they are. They 
it was for them to win in overtime against the Kings. That was a big game. I thought that was a mm-hmm. kind of a gut check game for two reasons. The first is the Kings play a style that the Stars don't match up well with, and the and the other thing was they actually won an overtime. They actually won an overtime game, and they beat an over and they beat a Kings and. Not that overtime is this team's biggest issue. Overtime is an issue. The team's 2-7 and seven in overtime. Obviously, it's an issue. But the, the bigger issue for the Stars team, and the more I look at it and the more I realize it is, there, there seemed like, whether it came from the players, the coaching, or whatever, it seemed like for the first 30, 25 or 30 games, so there was a lack of willingness to adjust to things voluntarily. Um, there was, there was, they obviously made adjustments based on need when injuries happened and things like that, but you would see the power play would kind of, would would get stale when when teams would uh, when teams would take away the drop pass they'd still try and do it um, when team on the on the two on ones they'd try they'd always do the stupid little thing where they'd slide towards the guy making slide go flying at and slide towards the guy with the puck and it would lead to great chances for the guy who was wide open in overtime they would be uh, in overtime they wouldn't. Uh, they kind of would roll out with the same lineup. All of a sudden, you see the team kind of voluntarily making adjustments for the first time. Um, I mean, for example, you take a look at the... It's an understated thing because they didn't score right off the play, but they started that overtime with the Kings where they went with Foxa, uh, Lindell, and Klingberg to to open overtime. And the reason they did it was the Kings obviously are going to put Kopitar out. Foxa had been dominant in the faceoff circle. And so they made an adjustment to get possession, and then as soon as they got possession, Lindell, Lindell sprinted to the bench, and Jason Spezza came on. It was an adjustment that two weeks, two, three weeks ago in overtime, you don't see them, you don't see that. And, and so all of a sudden you're seeing maybe, and I'm not sure where it comes from, whether it's coaching at the players, all of a sudden you're starting to see, obviously that was a coaching decision, but overall you're starting to see a little bit more of the team willing to adjust, and maybe they've accepted where they are. Maybe they've accepted that they have to do that to get back into this chase. That Maybe that's something that, that's a message that's finally gotten through to this team. I would hope so, because this is a team that really didn't have to do a lot of those type of adjustments last year, because they were just that successful consistently throughout the regular season. And granted, there were obviously issues with that team last year but as we've talked about in the past on this podcast when you're scoring like this team scored last year you can hide up a lot of those issues and that just simply hasn't been the case this year so I mean I guess better late than never but it'll be interesting to see if they're able to continue to do that I mean like we talked I think we talked about it later last week or two weeks ago how last year the Ducks started off horrible yeah and around this time last year they started to make those similar adjustments Bruce Boudreaux completely revamped the system that they were running and not that these adjustments are Lindy Ruff doing the same thing I think these are a lot more subtle than that Mm -hmm. but you know their GM came out and said I we like the players that we have right now we're not trading any players we're not firing the coach we have like what we have and you guys need to figure out how to do this and you know maybe that's the stars are finally at that point where they're realizing either help's not coming from outside or someone's not getting fired or sent out, so they need to figure out how to do this with what they got. Yeah, and I think it, you also have a point, too, where Lindy Ruff is, whether he admits it or not, I think he, and he well, he's not admitting it publicly, but he's, he's coaching for his job right now. While he may not be fired in season, his contract expires at the end of this season. It's a very... It's very easy for them to part ways, especially if if they miss the playoffs. It's very easy for them to part ways and 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 go another direction with the coach. Um, so he's at a point too where he's got to show he has to prove that he can make adjustments and he can and he can he can he has he has a track record. Obviously, he's won a lot of NHL games in his career, but he has to prove that he can manage this team to to play better and. I'm I'm really interested to see how they play against Arizona tonight. I think Arizona is not um, it's not that Arizona is a good team, but a good team respond a good team will not be impacted by this whole travel snafu. Mm-hmm. A bad team will be, and so I'm really interested to see how 
how they play tonight against Arizona. Because if, uh, if they come out flying and they come out playing well, there might be, uh, there might be something there that we uh, – a positive trend that can definitely lead into that game with Colorado uh, on Thursday. Right, and you're also talking about a team here in Dallas, too, that's been absolutely got awful on the road this year. So that would be a nice way to kind of kick off the post-holiday break is get a good road win under not a good red one under your belt. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I, I said it after the game against the Kings. It's a team where you look at their past three games. They were, uh, and you look at that five-game homestand, and they took seven out of ten points on that on that homestand. And I'd argue that. Seven out of ten points in that home stand. If 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 they were higher in the standings, you'd say that was a successful home stand. Yep. If they were if they weren't where they were in the standings, you'd say a successful home stand. But because of where they were, you really wanted to see eight or nine points. Just you wanted, um, and and they were close to that. They the game they lost to the Rangers and that they, they out they outplayed the Rangers. And they lost the other game. They lost a game, and they lost a game in overtime where they just weren't good in that overtime. It, so, yeah, it was almost a, it was almost a, it was almost a successful homestand. However, they still couldn't win back to back games on that homestand. It's amazing to think about that. Right. Like they win, yeah. they they take seven out of ten during a five game homestand and don't win back to back games. <laughs> That's pretty hard to do. It is. It's 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 pretty. Uh, it's 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 kind of one it's one of those weird stats. Like I laughed someone the other day. There was a question asked to Lindy Ruff after before the Kings game about. Somebody asked him about. It's like you guys have not done well at uh that at winning back to back games, but you have a pretty good record in, in in games after after losses. And not that I said it out loud, but the first thought in my head was. You always have a good record in games after losses when you have that many losses. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you have to win games at some point. So, but you know, seven out of ten is a good. It's a good. Start. No, it's it's a good. It's it's, of, it's a good starting point. I think that's kind of the point that we're at with this team. Yes, yeah. we're. It's almost like we have to kind of split the season in half. The first half of this. I mean, not that we're at the halfway point yet. We're pretty close now. But yeah. The first half of the season was not very good, but. They're still in a position where a second half of the season on par with what this team did last year will get them into the playoffs. And as we've seen in the past in the NHL, it's never, it's really not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. And anyone, I mean, all you have to do is get into the playoffs. If you're playing well in the playoffs, it doesn't matter if you're the first seed or you're the eighth seed. You have a chance in this NHL to make it far. Yeah, it's, they have a... There's an opportunity right here, and technically the home stands over. But if they can go win in Arizona, and then they have three home games this week, it's a chance to they have an opportunity to really make this look like the turning point for the season. And as as I think you were the one that said it a couple weeks uh, a week ago or two weeks ago that it'd be really nice if uh, even whether it's correct or not, it'd be really nice to go look back and 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 categorize this season as. Pre-specified and post-specified, <laughs> just because I'd love to be able to use that as the as the mark of history to uh... <laughs> BSF. Yes. ASF. <laughs> Game thirteen. ASF. Dallas has now won twelve games in a row. Yeah. That'd be fun. That'd be fun if that become if if we could legitimately turn that into a storyline. I'm sure tra- I'm trademarking that right now. I'm going to preemptively get out ahead of that one. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll see what you can do. T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> do you, uh, so we, we, we did our World Junior preview last week. We talked about, the, the, and surprisingly, and he was the 13th defenseman yesterday, but I wanted to mention how we didn't expect uh, Joseph Sassoni to make the uh, U.S. team, and he did. Yeah, he did. Um, I saw, I don't remember where I saw it, but they were talking about him going out and being a prime penalty killer, and that was not an angle that I thought about when we talked about it last week. So that makes sense. But, yeah, I I only watched the last part of the third period of that game yesterday because I forgot that I'm on Pacific time right now. Yeah. And um, 
I saw the one shot he got, but other than that, I didn't really notice him, which for a player like him is good. Well, the Stars have two guys like that at this tournament who, um, for example, I'm watching the, uh, the Czech-Swiss game right now. They have, a Czech, they have a prospect for the Czech Republic and Andre Vala, who him and Sassoni are both kind of, um, I'll just say they're in that Johnny Oduya defensive mold where they're, they're a guy that they're at their best when you haven't noticed them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, kind of what I, that's weird to say, kind of I noticed not noticing them in watching the games yesterday, but it was kind of the showing you expected from them. Um, Stars also have Garyanov at World Junior, and he... Uh, he made headlines yesterday for he all ma- the wrong reasons. He had a... Well, he, <laughs> in Canada... Well, his, he, his assist was good. That was a really that nice... Was a really nice play. That was a very... Um, it, let's, that shift on the assist for him, that was a very North American type play, for lack of a better word. It was a, it was a type of play that Russians you don't see the Russians typically making, where he won a physical battle in the corner and then went into another physical battle and made a nice backhand pass. And I'm going to give credit to his time in the AHL for making that play, where he's been, that's what, he was ready for playing a team like Canada because he's been playing against North American players for, uh, for the entire first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Now, the hit he had, um, it, it looked... It looked a little bit worse because of the the, the guy turned into it at the last second. The play. Well, and to credit just about every reply to the, the gifts I saw that on Twitter, pretty much everyone said, why the fuck is Yulson turning into the boards that late? Because like, right when he turns, you can see Gurionov coming into the frame. Like mm-hmm. You can't stop at that point. Yeah, You've committed to the hit, you're going fast, and at that point you're kind of just sitting there going like, oh, crap, this isn't going to be good. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, it was, it was not it bad. It looked bad it, in real time. It but did. When you slowed it down and you looked at the replays a couple times. It's kind of like, okay, that's why they only called the team. That's a good way to put it. I think that that is a good way to put it. You have, when you look at the replays, it was two minutes. I'm fine with it for two minutes. And it wasn't, I'm glad there wasn't any more because, when the first thing I saw, when I saw it happen in real time, my first worry was that there would be the type of backlash to how his world junior career ended, mm-hmm. season ended last year, where he and that was bad. He took a really bad slashing penalty in a pre-tournament game because the kid plays with an edge. He plays with an edge, and um, and it's when he toes the line, he does a really good job. When he doesn't toe the line, you have to worry a little bit. Um, and so when I first saw that hit, the first thought that went through my mind was I was worried that there'd be, uh, the first thought was, is this, did he cross the line too much? And looking at the replay, he didn't. It was, uh, but I, I think you take a look at the assist. I, I, I really liked that play just from, even if he didn't get the assist on the play, it was one of those plays where I was watching the shift and you're like, well, that's, that's the type of play you want to see you don't expect him to make. You don't expect him to go beat the guy out in the corner like that. And then the other prospects there in World Junior are Frederick Karlstrom, who's playing for Sweden, who is kind of, he's the 13th, he was the 13th forward for, the other, for them the other night on a very good Swedish team. And I don't expect him to play that much in the tournament, but I think him being there either way is a good experience. And then uh, Marcus Russo doesn't look like he's going to play for Finland, especially after, uh, and I can't pronounce his name, but uh, after, after, the, after the really uh, strong game for the Finnish goalie who started the other night against, yesterday against the Czechs, it doesn't look like Russo's going to play, but either way it's a good experience for him to be there. So overall it's looking like it could be a successful, and this is only one and a half, we're only one and a half days into the tournament, but groundwork laid for what could be a successful World Junior stint for Stars prospects, you'd hope. Yeah, I agree. I'm, it was a good good slate of games yesterday, so I'm excited to go and sit on the couch and do nothing all day today and watch the other three games that are on after this one. Yeah. The uh, thing I wanted to, and I, and I made sure to, uh, I sent you the link to make sure you watched it because I wanted to make sure you were, you were caught up before we got into this. I was reminded today, um, going through the, uh, today is the one-year anniversary of one of the oddest games I have ever covered. 
And now I, t- I tweeted the link out to this earlier, and I'll make sure to embed it. I'll make sure to embed the video in the podcast as well. But December twenty seventh, two thousand sixteen. It's a uh, the stars, the Dallas star, the Texas stars. I'm I'm cover- Sean Shapiro, me. I'm covering the AHL at the time still. And the Texas Stars have gone down to San Antonio to play the Rampage, the I-35 rivalry, one of the uh, teams that play four, that play way too many times a year, that play 12 times a year, so they hate each other. It always, it's always fun. And this is in the... Uh, it's two days after Christmas, but the San Antonio Rampage, for some reason, are hosting their teddy bear toss two days after Christmas. I don't understand the planning there, but they are. The Stars are up 3-0. The Rampage score to make it 3-1. And as is teddy bear toss tradition, everyone takes their, their bears and other stuffed animals and throws them onto the ice. At most, most teams, most places when this happens, one of two things happen. And, it's, and, I, and both options are civil. One is where it's not really that big of a crowd so it's they uh, so just the players help gather things up and then the game slows off for about five minutes and then it's uh, oh nice goal by the checks checks just scored it's two to one now um, back to my story the uh, the the bears are thrown on the ice and it takes and so it takes about five or six minutes to pack everything up and so we're, we're watching this. I'm watching this from the press box at the AT&T Center in, uh, in San Antonio. And the Rampage mascot is on the ice. And he's not really helping clean up. As you, if you check out a lot of the videos, he's not, he's not helping clean up the Bears. He is picking them up and playing with them. And so Texas Stars goalie, Maxime Lagasse, is, is stretching by the bench and, and basically doing whatever I would expect a goalie to do after you let up a teddy bear toss goal, just kind of get in your own world and ignore everything. And the, the Rampage mascot, whose name is T-Bone, I believe, takes this stuffed bird, a duck, I believe, and takes it over to, uh, and, starts, uh, and starts shoving it in the face of the, of, of the Texas Stars goalie, Maxime Legasse. Legasse doesn't have a negative reaction. He just kind of ignores it. Kind of a what-the-hell what moment. <laughs> Then he continues to walk down the bench towards the Texas Stars down towards the Texas Stars bench, and he continues to put show the stuffed animal to the Texas Stars players, and he then puts it right and then he then puts it right in Travis Morin's face. Who Travis Morin is the uh, Travis Morin, who's the Texas Stars captain, and Travis Morin, who at one point in his career told me that I really don't like going down spending every single Sunday playing on bad ice in San Antonio. <laughs> so the, the Rampage mascot now holds this, this stuffed bird in Travis Morin's face and Travis Morin rips it out of his hand and just throws it away and I, 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 tweet, I tweeted the gif out of this again today because it's, it's gold it's, 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 it's arguably one of my favorite minor league moments I've ever seen in person and the uh, and it was it was just uh I didn't even know. I don't even know how to explain it after that. It's just one of those where I've ne- I've seen them. For one, the mascot was on the ice, which hardly ever happens in hockey, where they're tr- where there's the course of play going on. Sometimes you see, obviously, the mascot skate onto the ice during introductions, things like that. But that's the extent of it. But the mascot was left in the realm of the players and tried to be an antagonist, and it was. Uh, Created one of my favorite moments of 2015, I guess, since that was 2000. Sorry, 2015. Since that was 2015. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I I had to see that when it happened, and then you sent that to me, and I'm sitting there half awake. What is this? And you know, I'm not sure how I would react in a similar situation. I thought that after he ripped it out of his hand, the mascot was going to get up. Again, and that Travis Warren was going to deck him, and then I was going to get really excited. But well, what if here? Here's my thing. Like Travis Warren's what? one of, that, That's one of the more composed players. Like, what if just just what if uh, 
Let me think of someone who played. Let me think what of. If it was Sean Avery. A Sean Avery type player, yeah. What, what if? What if? Or a. Uh, yeah, well, you was Sean Avery. What if? What if? What if you were a mascot and you went and you took the, uh, and you did that to a Sean Avery type player? That would be a. Uh, probably wouldn't be that smart of an. Probably wouldn't be that smart of a decision. I would probably pay to watch that happen. If we're being completely honest, yeah. I think it would be funny. I agree, it would be funny. I'm not. I'm not saying. I don't think I'd pay for it, but it would be hilarious. <laughs> I wouldn't pay a lot, but I would pay like three dollars. What's your view on mascots, Ryan? I don't care for them. They're pointless. I think I think they're four kids, and I think if pe- yes, I think exactly. I think they're four kids, and I think if people com- people who complain about them being there need to accept that they're four kids. And that's what I think. Yeah, that's pretty much it. They they serve no other purpose than to make kids happy, I guess. Yeah, it's uh. But that was that. Today is the one year anniversary of that moment, so I needed to make sure we. Uh, <laughs> I needed to make sure I, I I gave that moment its glory in the sun, and I need to uh, December twenty seventh every. And of course, of course, and if there's, I need. Oh, I don't know if the Rampage are doing their teddy bear toss tonight either. But the Texas Stars play in San Antonio tonight, actually, on the anniversary of that game. Oh man, this has potential. Hold on, I'm googling this San Antonio Rampage teddy bear toss right now. Let's see if tonight is the night. San Antonio Rampage, Teddy Bear Toss, 2014, 2016. Ah, they already held it on December 3rd. Uh, bummer. I wonder if that was intentional. Maybe <laughs> <a little> <laughs> don't, don't do it in a rivalry game. Right. Oh, brother. Well, we're kind of starting to run out of topics now I realize after uh, we've talked about after we've gone through te- the San Antonio the teddy, ran- the teddy bear toss and we've broken down our own travel stories uh, so I'll, I'll leave us with I'll, I'll, I'll leave us with this topic before we go and uh, come back and talk in 2000 come back and to come back and talk in 2000 uh, 2017 which will be the next podcast um if you were to pick Ryan, your I'll say three three top Dallas Stars moments for 2016 could be end of 2015-16 season, start of the 2016-17 season. If you were to pick your three three moments for 2000 for the calendar year, what would they be? Like good moments or good moments? Yes, yeah, so we're good moments. We're leaving on a high note. Um, I would say number one would definitely have to be winning the Pacific Division last year and getting back into the playoffs. Central Division. Whoa, man. You're right, the Central Division. Good Lord. That's how long it had been. Yep. <laughs> what a division. Yes. Central Division. The Stars winning the Central Division and getting back into the playoffs. Um, man. There hasn't been a, I mean, two, I would say, winning that first-round series in – just the way that game six went down because I probably had about six mini heart attacks during that game six and the way that the game winning goal ended up being Russell's weird ass behind the net bounce off of three things goal. Mm-hmm. That was another, I think that'd be two. Um, number three, I would have to say just the moves they made in the off season to move on to the younger defenseman. Not necessarily because it's paid huge dividends yet, but I think it signaled something important for this franchise moving forward that they weren't going to hamstring themselves to bad contracts for aging defensemen who, despite whatever appeal they have in quote-unquote old boy hockey communities for their things like grit and toughness, that Jim Nell was going to build this team on his terms and not not necessarily cave in to things like that, but he wasn't going. I mean, it was going to be a much fresher approach than giving Chris Russell, for example, a five-year, $25 million contract because he blocked shots. That's a good list. I think that's a move. Like, I think that 
I mean, it's one of those things that it's going to get better before it gets worse because obviously these guys need to get ice time. They need to get used to playing at the NHL level consistently. But I think it's a move that in the long run we'll look back and say that was a good decision to make. I agree. The uh, That's a good list. I uh, actually was going to have the uh, – I was actually going to put the Roussel goal against Minnesota number one on my list just because I still don't understand how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> And I still don't understand. I, st- I mean, it looked like a kick. It, just <laughs> it did look like a kick. But he was behind his own goal line. Like, <laughs> I mean, oh, the Swiss just went up three-one. Um, but so that was that. That's on my. That, that was number one for me, just because that that goal was just so wacky, and so. Uh, just polarizing conversationally too about just all of that. Um, the second thing, and, th- and this is from, from just come from my perspective. One of the guys, it's been for me. I've enjoyed how much. It's not a single moment, but I enjoyed how much uh, Stephen Johns and Radic Fox played a role as they won that first round series against Minnesota. Because as mm-hmm. someone who had watched them and covered them in the AHL, to see them kind of grab NHL jobs with about 25 games left in the season to then go and be big big contributors in the playoffs was a uh, that 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 would be number 2 for me seeing those guys step into step into that role um, and then uh, number 3 for me and just because I'm going to use it to prove a, a point we've uh, to prove a point that we further uh, made in the past that the goaltending isn't bad here is I still I still love watching that glove save by Kari Lettinen against Philadelphia a couple weeks ago and that's just and that's just me as a bit of a goalie nerd who likes watching good goaltending and watching athletic goaltending and it allows me to uh, put home a point that 2000 uh, the second half of 2016 hasn't been a bad year for goaltending the first half was but the second half was wasn't and uh, so that's where we'll leave it. Um, stars play. Uh, stars have a good opportunity this week, as we said. And uh, 2017 could open on a real positive note if uh, if you, if you have a good stretch this week with Arizona, Colorado, and then the Florida Panthers on New Year's Eve. Every, everyone, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, happy New Year, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Kick and Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Have a good one.